Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm the lead pastor uh, of our church, and we're so glad that you have decided uh, to join us uh, for worship. Uh, this could seem like a casual Sunday because the only times I wear a t-shirt is on uh, this special Sunday, which is a baptism Sunday. And uh, we wear this, really. Uh, you'll see these t-shirts around, and these are for people who have been baptized a part of a Ridgeview Church, but it is a celebration, uh, just like Sam uh, shared, that, that we invite you to you know, come and participate in uh, after our worship service. And so uh, one of the things about church and following Jesus, which is easy to forget, is that it really is uh, an adventure which is filled with so many things to celebrate. Uh, life can be so burdensome. Uh, it can be so heavy. And I know you are all facing things, and I'm facing things that, that can weigh us down. But in the middle of those things, what happens in these times, like right now, in your seats, gathered with these people, some of whom you may know, some you may not know any of them, uh, God actually does a special thing uh, with a group of people that come and have taken time uh, to be together. And you may have wondered, like, why are you here? And hurry up, this guy, get going. Uh, but what, what God does is it, it actually is something pretty remarkable. Uh, he, he speaks to us. And uh, my, my prayer for our time today is, is that we will hear from God, and God will speak to you with exactly uh, what you're facing. And I'm continuing a series called Back to the Basics. And the idea is, what are the things that we need to do in our life, and we need to keep coming back to and keep coming back to, that will help us uh, grow? Uh, when you hear basic, sometimes you think, like, you have to move beyond it. Like, you need to grow up a little bit. In the, in the Christian faith, the basics mean more the fundamentals. And just like in a sport, you can never get past the fundamentals that help you train. And it's the same with, with growth. Uh, you actually have to keep doing the same things over and over again so that you can grow. And the idea in the Christian faith is you're faced with so many messages and you're faced with so many things. Uh, as you tune into media, as you're engaging in social media, as you're listening to talk radio, as you're looking at how you were raised, as you're interacting with your coworkers, everything that you are faced with, uh, you're, you're, you're filled with different messages. What's right? What's wrong? What you should do? What you shouldn't do? And it can be overwhelming. And the older you get, the longer you live, the more you're filled with all sorts of different ideas. So the idea of the, the basics are, what do we need to do so that God can continue to speak to us, so that his message, his ways actually the volume gets turned up. So the idea of the basics are how do we turn the volume up on the right things and turn the volume down on the things that are making noise that actually don't bring any clarity. They're just noise. They don't help us. And so we've talked about relationship with Christ, the basic part of Christianity, like the fundamental, the foundation is, is you have to have a relationship with Jesus to grow. You can have a lot of good intentions, but unless you deal with who Jesus is, and you investigate, and you decide like yeah, he is the son of God. He did come to die for my sin. He did rise again from the dead. Uh, you you kind of get stuck. And so you, you have to always get to the sense of like Christ is the center of the way I'm going to grow. And I have to follow him for, for that to happen. And when I follow him, he teaches me his ways, and I have to keep following him every day. And that's really what the Christian life is. And then last week, we talked about the importance of prayer, uh, communicating uh, to God actually speaking to him about what you're facing. God is near. He knows everything you're facing. But what we need to do is actually bring him in to the things that we're facing. He's already there, but we have to acknowledge him. We have to communicate with him. We have to actually ask him for help. And that's what prayer is all about. 
And then today I'm talking about spending like daily time with God, like opening the scriptures. And the idea of daily time with God is, have you ever had a relationship with somebody that they do all the talking? Yeah? You have those people. Yeah. And, and some of you, you may be those people. And some of you may not. But there's always a sense of which, like, in a certain dynamic of personalities or relationship, uh, somebody could do all the talking. And if you're an introvert, you're like, I love those people. I'll just smile and listen. But if you're an extrovert and you like to talk and then you get with somebody who likes to talk as well, there's a little battle. Can you stop talking so I can talk? And those are dynamics as well. But in our relationship with God, what's really interesting is if we just focus on prayer, which so many of us, you've probably prayed in different instances in your life, like in desperate times you prayed. But if you are just praying and not reading the scriptures, it's like this one-way conversation where you're doing all the talking. But what's different in the relationship with God is imagine the almighty God, the creator who knows everything, who's the wisest, the smartest, has more power and more resources than anyone, and it'd be like talking to the expert in every arena of everything that ever existed, and you tell him all that he needs to know. But that's what it is a lot of times in a relationship with God. We do all the talking, or we do all the listening from all sorts of different places, but we don't listen to God. And so today we're going to talk about how do we actually get to the point that we want to listen and hear from God, and that happens as we dig uh, into the, the Scriptures. But it, but it takes a shift. It takes an idea of, of different priorities. And I've been reading a book I just started this past week called uh, Eat That Frog. Here, here's a title of it, I think. Maybe not. There's not a title for that. <laughs> Trust me, it is a book. But by that title, it doesn't sound like it exists. But the idea is there's like an old saying, like, you know, early in the morning, uh, you need to eat that frog. And the idea is like, that's the very thing that you don't want to do but if you get the very hardest thing out of the way early in the morning, you've had a good day. The idea is if, even if after that everything is bad, you at least ate that frog. That kind of feels a little Southern. Like that doesn't really resonate with me. Like I'm not quite sure. I've, I don't have a lot of interactions with frogs and I've never thought about eating one. But I do know there's a lot of things in my life that I don't want to do. And we tend to put those things off to do the things that we do want to do. And a lot of times, you may have been Christian a long time. You may not be a Christian at all. But there is a time, and there's always a season in which reading God's word and hearing from him becomes that frog thing where we probably know we need to do it so we can have something that's accomplished, but we don't want to. And the idea of the book is, beyond the frog analogy, is you need to make sure that you do the one or two most important things in your day that will bring the most impact for you. You have to choose to do that. And as you do that, your, your days actually stack up. They're successful. And that's different for, for every person, like what that one or two things are. But if you're a Christ follower, one of those things needs to be, I will read God's word. That will be the thing that I can leverage that will bring the biggest impact to my life. And the idea is I can hear from God. And if I've heard from him and I've turned the volume up, and I hear his guidance, and I see him leading me, and I can follow, you will have a good day. And those days will lead to good weeks, and those weeks lead to good months. Oftentimes, we find ourselves in the holes of life, like life is unraveling, 
And as you look back, it's because you've made a choice each day to do something on your own, in your own way, in your own timing, based on your own priorities. But what God wants to do is as we read his word, it's like this, wake up, wake up. You're not seeing the things I want you to see. Now, if you spend time with God early in the morning, a lot of times it may be just wake up. Like you need to wake up. Because even in that, it's hard. You know, we, we get so tired. But the thing is, God, God wants to know you. Every single one of us that's here today, God wants to know you. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. And actually, according to the Bible, because he's made us, he's the only one that has the right to do that. He knows us. And he loves us. And he wants to lead us personally. And he does that again and again and again through uh, the scriptures. And so like we've been doing in this series, and I want to continue, I want to look and start with, with Jesus because, again, he's the center of our growth, but he also uh, continues to set the example, and that's the, the first point, is Jesus set the example for time uh, with God. I want to read a scripture. This is one of the, the first uh, verses I memorized uh, when I was kind of shortly out of college, like really trying to continue to be disciplined in, in my spiritual life. In Mark one thirty five. It says, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, when you read that, and you can yell this out, what stands out? Is there a word that stands out to you personally as I just read that and as you see it on the screen? Solitary? Dark? Early? If you like night people are like, I don't know if that's written for me. Unless it's so early, it's the night before. And you're like, I could do that. <laughs> but you read that and it's like very early in the morning. Like every, you know, every word that we've been given in God's word is inspired. Like I'm gonna talk about that in a moment. But very is on there in purpose. Like very, it's not just early, it's very early. The idea is like there's no light. And you know that because it says it was still dark. They're just letting you know very early, it was still dark. Jesus got up, he left and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, the interesting thing about this is you think about Jesus and his life on this earth was actually pretty short in the span of a lifetime. He lived 33 years. He had a public ministry from the age of 30 to 33. So how long is that? Good job. This side's awake. I'll get you guys next time, okay? Your, your one's coming. One plus one. Good job, guys. All right. We're all good. We're all together now. All right. But you think about three years of this public ministry to tell everyone about the kingdom of God, to tell everyone about salvation is found in him and no one else, to tell everyone about who he is, to train people up and what they're going to do. And you think of three years in a span of time, the older you get, isn't that a very short time? Like when you're young, you're like three years is forever. But when you're old, it's like you blink and your kids are three years older. Like those pants don't fit anymore. Dad, you got those five years ago, <laughs> right? Like time just boom, it's gone. But very interesting, think about all the things that Jesus could have done. Well, the first thing is, what I thought, is he could have slept. It was early and it was dark. It's very difficult to get up when it's dark, right? It's very difficult to get up when it's early, and very early is even harder. So the first thing is, he could have just slept. But it's also Jesus, and he's, he's moving this movement of Christianity, and it's getting started, and he's rallying his troops. The other things he could have done if he didn't want to sleep is he could have thought through, what's the next strategic location that we need to go, and let's go there and make sure that we're ready to minister to the people. 
He could have gotten up early and talked to his disciples and like, here's what I'm doing, continue to teach them. He could have thought like, let's prepare breakfast. Some of you like breakfast eaters, anyone like really likes breakfast? You're like, if you're gonna wake up early, at least make something good, right? Like, let's have a meal together. Let's kind of recharge, let's talk and debrief. But Jesus, in a span of public ministry, again and again and again did this. He withdrew. What's very interesting, and I've talked a lot about this recently, when you look at the life of Jesus, at the moments where he could have been the superstar, when he could have had everyone just like, you, you're amazing, you're healing people, you're teaching people for just with all this knowledge that we don't know, you're like changing people's lives, you're changing the way that we very see. At the pinnacle of his popularity, he would pull away and he would withdraw and he would spend time with God. It's pretty amazing when you think about that. This is Jesus, the son of God. He spent time with his father. Very early, he got off, went to a solitary place where he could pray. And he prayed to God continually. He communicated with God. That's that relationship. And that's what I talked about last week. If you missed last week and you're interested in learning about prayer, I just want to let you guys know that we have resources available so you can catch up. We want to help you learn and train. And if any podcasters... Bridgeview don't, doesn't have a podcast anymore. I just canceled it right now for the three people that, no. Uh, if you're interested in podcasting, every, every week we, we stream the, the sermon to a podcast so you could listen. Like, you know, you could catch up. You could catch up from last week. Uh, Ridgeview Church, Fontana, you could search it on your favorite podcast. And then also, anybody watch YouTube? Like, okay. <laughs> okay. You can also watch, uh, our, you know, and, and listen and, and catch up. We, we do this so, again, like, the learning can continue. But prayer is so important, and it's something we have to continue to grow in. And Jesus set, set that example. But again, beyond just prayer and communicating, we have to learn that. But we also have to, to learn how to, how to hear uh, from God. So what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of our time talking about uh, why the Scriptures are actually exactly what we need to face what you face. And I don't know if you believe that, and you don't have to believe that. But I believe that to be true in my own life. In God's Word... I have every exact thing that I need to face life. Like when I need help, I can find it in the scriptures. When I need hope, I can find it in the scriptures. When I need clarity and wisdom on what to do and what not to do, I can find it in the scriptures. Again, in the end, God's word, it leads me. And I'm gonna talk about how that happens. And so the next point is God speaks to us uh, through the Bible. Very uh, simple idea. But if you think about that, if you don't open it, it's like you're duct taping the mouth of God. Think about that. Now, can you duct tape God's mouth? No. Actually, nothing can silence God. He can speak whenever he wants to speak. But what he does is because he's revealed himself to us through the scriptures, the loudest voice you will hear is when you read his word. He can give us senses and Maybe we have a little feeling and the Holy Spirit can, can work, but it always has to come back. Like, what's the truth revealed in his word? Does it line up with what he has told me, what he has revealed? And so he speaks to us, and you find this in 2 Timothy. This is a really helpful passage. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The idea of the man of God is really actually speaking. It's more to the people of God. Now, this is written actually to uh, elders and men leading in the church. But the idea is, the principle is the same. 
wherever you find yourself, if you're young, you're old, leader, not a leader, God's word does something as you engage with it. And I want to start kind of at the beginning with that first phrase, all scripture is God breathed. A very interesting language when you think of it. I don't know what you picture, but it almost seems like it's like, <gasps> hopefully not that noise, but the, God's word is there. But literally what uh, that means is it's inspired. Like it's inspired. And there's an idea like there's no part of the scripture that doesn't have God's inspiration on it. Everything that is written has come from like the very breath of God. And he used human authors from different perspectives. And you see as you read the scriptures, there's different backgrounds. There's different, uh, you know, cultures. There's different uh, emphasis. And that's why uh, the, the collection of the books of the Bible are so helpful because you see like all sorts of different people that face different things that have an interaction with God, that interacted with Jesus. And we have these words but there is not a point in which the words of man exist and they don't exist from the inspiration of God. They're joined together. So when you're reading, you're not just reading ideas from men. You're hearing God's voice. That's very important. You have to keep coming back to you. You have to keep wrestling with that. That's what it means for God breathed. And because it's God breathed and it's inspired and it's from him, it has authority. Again, the idea is if the almighty God who knows everything speaks, should we listen? We live in a time right now where everyone has something they want to say. I feel like that's what social media is. That's what news headlines are. This is what we want to tell you. And then other people, well, this is what we want to tell you. And we know, but we know too. We know better. No, we know. And you know, and that feel like how life is. And then the middle of the noise all the volumes get turned up, all the volumes get turned up, all the volumes, and you can't hear anything, right? The point is, everyone's talking at the same time, you can't hear anything. What the scriptures are saying is, in the middle of the noise, God speaks, breathes. And we can know things that we would not know unless he breathed it out. And because of that, there, there's authority. And I wanna talk a little bit about the authority of scripture and how we can get to the point of, of we believe that. And you may be wrestling and you may be investigating. The great thing about Christianity and about Jesus and about God is he can stand up to scrutiny. Like you're not gonna hurt his feelings. You know why? He knows who he is, right? The most insecure, like when you get hurt the most, it's because you don't know who you are. People start messing with you and saying things about you and you kind of believe that and you own it and it messes you. And this, like you see these problems that we all have because of what people have said and we've owned. The great thing with God is like, he can't be manipulated. He knows who he is. He's existed forever. So he stands up to the scrutiny. He stands up to the questions. And you know what? He's still gracious. That's what's crazy. Think about, is there anyone that's ever existed that's experienced as much questioning and bashing than God? Could you imagine if he wasn't gracious? He has this authority because, but he's God. But here's four reasons why. And, you know, you can investigate this for yourself. The first is this. The Bible says that it is the word of God. Now, that's kind of interesting because you're like, well, of course it says that. That's like the parent, like, because I said so. You ever said that? You hate that when you're a kid. But when you're a parent, man, that feels good. You know what I'm talking about. 
Why? Because I said. <laughs> and you just let it settle. I'm not even going to say anything else. Just, just get that. Just let that. Just let that settle in on you. And when you're a kid, you're like, well, why? Tell me. You don't need to know. And just stare them down. You guys didn't know this was going to be a parenting workshop all in one, right? But, but the Bible says that it's, it's the word of God. And so if it's breathed and it's God's words, and God says that, then it's like, well, it is. That, that's authority. But that's not it. The second is this. Uh, we are convinced of the Bible's claims to be God's word as we read the Bible. Here's where it's very interesting. Again, God says, it's my word. And then he tells us, come find out if that's true. See. See for yourself. Come see if what I said is true. And this is the idea, and a mentor told me this years and years and years ago, and I don't know if, where he, he got it from, but he says, you know, as you read the Bible, you know, we think it's like, I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to try to understand things. I'm going to try to learn. And if you've read the Bible and it's been confusing, welcome. The Bible is confusing. There's words you don't even know how to pronounce. And you try to track like family genealogy sometimes. You're like, I don't know. I don't know whose cousins, brothers. I don't even know. It can be very confusing. So we kind of think like I'm reading the Bible, but, but here's what that second point is saying. As you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. It actually starts like this X-ray, this MRI. It shows you who you are. You ever had a time where you read the scriptures and you're like, oh man, how did God know I needed that? I've had numerous times, even as a pastor, where something was shared. It was like you were sharing that just to me. And I say, yeah, we have you know, cameras set up. When you come to Ridgeview, we set that up in your house and we just watch you. That's part of the free gift if you take that. I'm just kidding. Don't freak out. But that's true, right? Like people are like, you were speaking just to me. And I I know that's not me. That's not me. I can't speak to you. I don't know you. Really? I don't know what you need. The reason I know that is like, I'm relating to my own family. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm with them all the time. But God knows. So as you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. It shows you what you need. It shows you what you need to do. And it speaks, and that has authority. Because no one else can do that, right? No one. And then number three, it has authority because other evidence is useful, but it's not finally convincing. So there's, there's things that you can see, like historically, like there's historical data, there's historians, there's other records outside the scriptures that speak of the scriptures. There's archaeology. I went on an archaeological dig when I was in college. It was very informative, very helpful. But the idea is you can't just look for all of this data to finally convince you that God's word is God's word. It doesn't work. And then number four, the words of Scripture are self-attesting. Again, this can kind of sound like circular reasoning. God's word is God's word because God's word says it is. But again, God's word is saying, I am the ultimate authority. How could you not 
claim the ultimate authority by just having the ultimate authority. You can't have anyone else give you authority. Why? Because you're the ultimate authority. At the moment you need someone else to give you authority, you're no longer the ultimate. You ever think about that? It's interesting. It can be like kind of, oh, but that, that's convenient. But that's why you have to keep going back to number two. Well, as you read it, is it reading you? And that's where you have to really wrestle, and that's where you have to think about it. And God wants to help us. And he gives us our word, not just to prove he's the authority, but he gives us the authority of the truth so that we can actually live different lives. It's actually for our benefit. He doesn't have to prove anything, but it's to help us. And you find this in John 15, 26. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but when the helper comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. And you see this is actually where you get teaching of the, the Trinity. There's, this is another confusing thing when you read in the scriptures, but it's like God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And that is when you decide to follow Christ, you give him your life, God lives inside you. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's like you, you now have a counselor. You have a guide. You have somebody that's like, don't do that. Or you have somebody that's like, you need to do that. Like you have real-time help. And that's because he loves us. He's our father. And he gives us this, this help so we can move forward. But let's continue. So it's, it's inspired, it's, it's breathed out, but I want to talk about some specifics uh, briefly here. So all scripture, let's go back to that in 2 Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for a few things, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um, I, I just want to briefly speak about these words because sometimes you read that and it's like a stack of words and you're like, okay, it, it teaches us. But actually each word, again, because God's breathed it out, it has some meaning that's helpful. So the first word, teaching, is literally, uh, this is the path to go. Like it teaches us, this is the way to move forward. Have you ever been stuck in your life? Yeah, I have too. Have you ever felt lost and you don't know what to do? Yeah, me too. The scripture is saying is, you have a teacher now. That will go this way. I don't, I don't know. Well, the only way you know is you have to read the scriptures and find out if that's true. But it teaches us. Then there's a word that we don't use much. It's a rebuking. And rebuking is this idea like you are in the wrong. Now, we don't like to hear that, right? We don't wake up and think like, man, I just hope somebody points out all the flaws of my thinking today. It'd be a great day. No, what do, what do we normally think? Like, I'm right. Actually, I know what I'm doing. I have a real sense of what I need to do today. Well, rebuking is you don't. Any of you guys like geographically challenged, like you don't drive that, like you don't really know how to get to places. I've shared this a lot. I'm, I'm, I get lost a lot. I get lost. I don't really have good navigation skills. It's like a little confession time. But it's bad. And uh, I'm not proud of it. But it's true. And the idea of, of like this rebuke is that you just sometimes have to understand and realize you have no idea where you're going. You're lost. Uh, on my honeymoon, 
This is going to be, this is going to be hard. <laughs> On my honeymoon, I, I was 21 when I got married. I was young. So young that, like, I could hardly rent a car. It's crazy. Like, I had to pay more, which is probably good because of the story I'm about to share. But um, we decide, like, you know, we're just loving life. It's our honeymoon. We're in Florida. And we decide, like, we're going to go to, like, the Florida Keys. And this is old school. Like, this is, like, you kind of need, like, a Thomas guide, which I didn't have. And maybe another GPS system, which you didn't have and I didn't have. And we just start driving to go. Like, this is a few-hour trip, and it starts to rain. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of boring. This is long, and what are we doing? And, and all of a sudden, like, I start to realize, and I'm driving in the car, and I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, you know, feeling confident, trying to be it, but knowing, like, I'm so lost. You know, but I'm on my honeymoon. It's like, who cares? You know, I'm driving and my wife is like, I think, I don't think we're going the right way. You know, I think we have to turn around. We, we missed something. And I'm just, and I literally in my mind thinking, no, if I keep going, it's going to work itself out. <laughs> like, like a magic road. Like, it's just going to appear, and all of us, I get on it, and I'm like, whoa, that was awesome. No, and, and I, just, I just struggled, because you know what it was? In my pride, I didn't want to turn around. I had a mission to go forward. And it was the idea of, like, turning around, like, even though I'm going in the wrong way, I don't want to change. I want to keep going and just hope it works out. Thankfully, uh, just as I kept going even further, I, I began to realize, you know, I... I have to turn around. And, th- and that's this idea of the rebuke is there's just times where you have to, you know, God tells you you're lost. You're, you're not quite knowing where you're supposed to go. You, you need to change directions. And that's what it is, a rebuke. If you ever read something and you read it and you feel like you got hit on the side of the head with a truth bomb from Jesus, that's a rebuke. And it happens all of the time. But that's not it. And here's the good news. It also says it's helpful for rebuking, but, but also correcting. So the idea is, the great thing with God, he's not this authoritative figure that's just like, you're wrong, you're lost, you're messed up. You know what he does? He corrects us. He says, but you know what? Here's the right way. Here's how you get on track. And his word speaks to us. So we know we're lost, but then he shows us the right way to go. He's a good God. He's gracious. So we get rebuked, but then he, he corrects. And then the scriptures say is there's also this training in righteousness, which means as you figure out you're going the wrong way, and then as you get on the right track, as you continue on this right track, what God is saying, training in righteousness, is he, he will actually change you from the inside out. You'll be a different kind of person. That's what we all want, right? We want to be the people who grow, who make a difference, who love our kids, who love our spouses, who are good coworkers. Like in every aspect of our life, we're different kinds of people. That's what we want to be. You can't be that outside of God speaking into your life regularly. And that's what the training in righteousness is. He's going to show you the right way to go. And on his path, you're going to become a different type of person, righteous. You're going to do what's right in the right time, in the right moment, in the right way. And that's what God does as we let his word speak to us. Uh, Real briefly, I want to just uh, talk about how you can do this in, in your life, okay? If you've never spent time with God, what I want to ask you a question is, Do you have seven minutes in a day where you could decide to spend with God? If you don't, 
Come see me after church. I'd love to talk to you. But we all have seven minutes. We all have seven minutes. Here's just briefly how you could begin to kind of get some daily time with God. And I just want to move through this quickly. First, you just start with prayer, 30 seconds, okay? So now we have six minutes and 30 seconds left. But you pray, God, I just ask that you speak to me. I need your help. I feel stuck. don't know what to do. I pray as I read your word right now that you'll help me to not be distracted. And that's it. You pray. Just 30 seconds. Just open my heart. Help me to see. Help me to understand. And then you dig in. And you read the scriptures. And so if you've never read the Bible before, uh, it's confusing sometimes. You open the Bible. The first book in the Bible is Genesis. If you start in Genesis and you keep going around the book of Numbers, you start like, man, this... This thing's not that as helpful as I thought. It's like, how do I apply like 30,000 times that, you know, you're just trying to do math in your head. So you don't necessarily want to start in the beginning, uh, but you could start in the New Testament. You could start with like with the book of John. You could learn a lot about Jesus. And so what I usually do is you could read a chapter uh, and you see the chapters, they're labeled in the scriptures or on the, the, an app that has the, the Bible on it. Uh, there's a good version from version uh, that you could download. That's very helpful. Uh, just careful thing about phones. It's amazing. Uh, you could be on your phone reading the Bible. Before you know it, you're, you're playing Candy Crush. <laughs> it's like you, you, you were like, this God was speaking, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I leveled up, you know. How did that happen? So you just got to, sometimes you just got to put your phone away. But uh, so you read like half a chapter. You could read two verses. You could read a whole chapter. You know, the idea is like, I need to read something and allow God to speak to me. And then you, you, you need to ask a few questions. And uh, the acrostic space is really helpful. And so, like, as I'm reading this, is there a sin that I need to confess? Is there something, like, as I read that, the rebuke happened? Like, there's something I'm, I'm not doing right. There's something I'm doing wrong. And that's the sin to confess. It's useful for rebuking. Guess what? If you have a sin you need to confess, God already knows so confession is, I agree. It's like as a kid when you mess up and your parent knows you messed up and then you try to lie and they just have that parent look again like, you lying. I know I am. And it's the idea of like, you, you get on the same page with God. If you're on the same page with God, he can speak to you. So that's kind of why it's helpful to start. Like, is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is something that God says just, it like speaks to you and you're like, man, I need to own that right now. I have lots of thoughts some of which are not true, but this is truth, and I need to own that promise. And that's how it's, it's, it's useful for teaching. It's teaching you this, this path to go. Uh, is there an attitude that I need to change? I don't know how many times in my life as I read the Scripture, God says, you better pay attention to that. You better reread that because my attitude just gets so polluted with the things that I'm experiencing. I just put on like, the way I see life. It's just cloudy, dark, gloomy. And there's an attitude there that I, that I have to shift. And so God speaks to you in that. Then it goes on to see. The next slide there. Uh, is there a command to obey? Again, that's, it's the teaching and the training in righteousness. And then is there an example to follow? Like, is there somebody, as you're reading about their life, like God speaks to you, like, wow, look at the, the faith that they had. And that's what the scriptures say. The people that went before us, they're examples in the faith. And there's also different examples to avoid. And that, that's helpful as well. So you take 30 seconds. God, speak to me right now. Help me. 
then you take four minutes, you read the scripture, and then you just work through those, those questions. Space, just remember, sin, space, just keep, keep going through that. And then you close with prayer. And this is like praying back to God. God, this is where I am, this is what I sense. You, you speaking to me, uh, I, I, I wanna take next steps. I wanna put this into action. Will you help me to do that? And then right when you finish that time, you know what happens? God's like, okay, chaos erupts. A lot of times chaos erupts. That happens with me all the time. Like God speaks, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. And then life happens, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. And it's just this wrestling match, but God's word will continue to show you where you are and what, what you need to do. And if you could take seven minutes, here's my promise to you. If you could take seven minutes, your life will be changed. Allow God uh, to speak uh, to you. So uh, in, in closing, I want to just give you some next steps uh, before we, we, we wrap up. And uh, they're here uh, on the screen. You should see them. But the first is just to decide, like, I'm going to spend uh, seven minutes uh, with God a certain amount of days this week. If you've never spent time with God before, like, really, um, choose, like, one day. Like, could you do one day for seven minutes? And literally, like, make that step. Like, make a commitment. Like, I'm going to do that. A second, uh, you could buy a scripture journal. I encourage you, as you read God's word, it really helps to write down. Here's the thing. If you don't write things down, we tend to forget, right? It's just how it is. And God speaks to us, and it's just like somebody that tells us, like, hey, when you're at the store, can you get this, this, and that? I get to the store and five minutes later, I have no idea what I was told. And it's the same with God. But what he says has even more weight, not like the milk we need to buy, but like the thing that we need to change, the sin that we might need. So if you write it down, so if you could go back there really quick, uh, there's a scripture journals, and you can find these on Amazon. Um, I think they're called the Illuminated Scripture Journals, and they're in the English Standard Version, which is a helpful version to read. It's understandable. And they're literally like the books of the Bible individually in journals, and they have the scriptures on one page and a blank on the other. So as you're reading God's word, you can take notes right there. Uh, old school is like they made Bibles with big old margins on it. And you're walking, you know, you need like a backpack or a dolly, you know, but you could thump it really good, you know. But here it's, it's individual, and then you could buy like a set. This is like the New Testament, and you see Matthew, Mark, and it just goes on. And that's uh, the book of John. And so uh, it, that might be a, like a worthy investment. Uh, spend some money. They're, they're not that expensive. Uh, if you can't find it, like let us know and we'll, we'll help you navigate that. But that's something helpful. Like I can hold this, I can read the scriptures and I can take notes. And so buy a scripture journal, make an investment uh, in that. And then the last, uh, is the, the last next step is just make my time with God the first thing I do uh, each day. So here's just a challenge for you. And th- this is a challenge for me as well. Like full disclosure, I charge my phone. It's usually right next to my bed. When I wake up, what do I do? Check my phone. What do you do? You may do the same. But there's always something we're doing first. But it's so easy. Like if you check your email or you check your phone or you go on Facebook or you go on Instagram, TikTok, Paddywhack, give the dog, I don't know what it is. Right? I sound like an old man right there. That was classic. But (laughs) it is sending you up. Like your day has already started. And you're seeing things in a certain way. 
Sometimes we could get out of bed and we're already grumpy because of what we've done before we've gotten out of bed. So before you do anything else, decide. Now, I say like this next step is make my time with the God the first thing I do each day. You can make like an adjustment. Here's the adjustment. You can make coffee first. Because that's what I need to do. But that is like, okay, I can, maybe I can get breakfast and get, get my coffee, but I'm going to spend some time with God. Find a place where no one else is. Just find a place. And if you want, just set the timer, seven minutes, and just see what God does. So I encourage you, what could happen in our church if we took this to heart and every single one of us began spending time with God and each one of us on a regular basis are hearing from him? Could you imagine the type of people we would be? Could you imagine how that would transform our families? Could you imagine how our vantage point on life would be different? We don't need anyone else to tell us what we need to do. We don't need people to tell us, like, this is the good life. Why? Because God himself is telling us. We'll have confidence. We'll have hope. We'll actually have authority on, like, we know what we believe and why we believe it. Guess what? This is what the world needs. It needs people who hear from God, who know the truth, and are free. If our church is filled with those type of people, we can change the world. But it starts with those disciplines that you do when no one is watching. So my prayer is God will make this real to us. and He can transform our lives and our church. The question is, what could God do? Let's pray together as the band leads us. God, we we thank you so much for your word, which has authority. And you are God, and we we need help. Uh, We need guidance. I know there's many people here who are overwhelmed by life, who are stuck, who feel desperate, who feel uh, just chaos in their lives and in the world. And the volume is turned up everywhere. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will turn the volume down on all the things making noise in our life, and you will turn the volume up on the truth that you've given us in your word. God, will you grow our desire? So many times we, we just don't want to spend time with you. And even to tell you that, it feels awkward. God, will you grow our desire? Take the little bit of faith that we have and grow it and expand it. God, I pray that we will be a group of people who take your word seriously and we will be changed. I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.